Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner-Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. Bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. <clears throat> hey everybody, welcome to Cutting for Sign. My name is Ron Cecil. Ron Cecil and Daniel Penner-Klein. Hey Daniel, good morning. Good morning. We got a unique one tonight, today. today. It's a, it's... Hello. I wish it was nighttime. Uh, first for us, maybe the first one of the one of the first ever. I don't know. So we're talking to one of our past guests who's playing the role of her father in this conversation. So Tina Alexis Allen is a an actor and she wrote a book about her epic father and then wrote a play more from her oh, sorry, then she wrote a play. Sorry, swap those. And then that was also about her father. And we had her on, we had a great conversation and she goes, Hey, how about I come back sometime, but as the character of my father. So <laughs> we were like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. Her book is called hiding out a memoir of drugs, deception and double lives. And, and to give uh, our listeners a, a high level version of this is uh, Tina was a, was a, um, a basketball player growing up and, um, came from a humongous and I mean humongous staunchly Catholic family her dad was so was so devoted that he was knighted within the Catholic Church Sir John uh, we'll meet later in a, in a few moments uh, but he had a double life he was also uh, living the gay lifestyle um, and so when when Tina who essentially was a lesbian her entire life um, was in a relationship and brought one of her partners to uh, dinner with her dad. Her dad like figured it out immediately, and um, and then was like, "Hey, let me let me let you in on a little secret. I'm also gay." And then they partied together for years. They had this like double life together for for years and years, and uh, and that's essentially what the story is about. And it's it's intense. And so Sir John is an intense individual. Like he is a <laughs> he is so intense. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, to be honest, I'm as nervous about this talk as I've been about any talk we've had. Are you really? Yeah, because yeah. I've never had a conversation with someone in character and uh, outside of acting. You know, I've acted in about 20 plays. Have you, have and, any of your, like when you were doing that or any, any of the co-actors, did anyone stay in character? Did Daniel Day-Lewis you? Like outside of the yeah. play? Yeah. No, no. I think Loki would be the closest. <laughs> Loki, but that was just because Loki. Loki Miller. He takes yeah. He one of yeah. our other guests, actor. He he takes the bait on on characters, but he doesn't do that. By the way, I told Loki about this, and mm -hmm. then I was like, "Hey, Loki, I know because Loki's writing a one man play right now, mm -hmm. based off of a Shel Silverstein story." Mm -hmm. And we were just bullshitting, and I said, "Loki, do you um 
what do you, if it goes well, would you be interested in maybe doing it? If, you know, if it goes well with me and Ron coming into character in your one man show character, he was all about it. And then he goes, then he goes, yeah, one of my characters in the one man show is the devil. And maybe I can come out as a devil and it might get bizarre and weird. And I was like, that might be a little much, (laughs) you know, just because Loki's not afraid to get weird and for things to be awkward. And I really like that about him. Yeah. But I think that today we're going to flow in conversation a little bit more because just Tina is like pretty locked in on her character and, and oh, super locked in. I mean, it's it's you know, in a way like the character she was born to play. <laughs> There's so many dynamics. I mean, one of the dynamics that I think is super interesting is a person like most people who wants desperately wants the 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 um, love and attention of her father. And simultaneously being totally embarrassed of the kind of person he is. I mean, I mean, that's so relatable, right? Like, like how many of us like want our father's attention and then also like, ah, my dad's kind of weird, you know, or weirdo or whatever he is. And, you know, and in her case, her dad would like show up to games like super drunk, but like in a, in a three piece Italian suit as he's doing it. Um, yeah, I was just watching some clips from her play, and he's he's a loose cannon in some ways. He's a wild card. He's 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 all kinds of that stuff. I'm just he's gonna show up drunk, by the way. I'm serious. <laughs> that's that's that seems like par for the course. <laughs> he said he said he's gonna show. Up. I'd be disappointed if he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he's showing up drunk, and he's gonna sober up as we go along. And I was like, I was like, it's gonna be nine in the morning where I'm at, and I don't have, you know, I'm gonna be on campus, like. <laughs> I want to show up. <laughs> I know. I want to drink. I want to have some whiskey. I really do. I saw my flask today and I was like, uh... <laughs> 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 I'm about to go to a wood shop and run, run large. You know, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, uh... <laughs> that's uh you are what, uh, what we call a normie. If you're a real alcoholic of any kind, you'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I just want to show up for the conversation. And to be yeah. honest, I, to be honest, I, I wish that I, I you know, I'm so focused on um, this big uh, painting show, this art show that I'm, I'm. It's my first like main gallery. Yeah. Show and I just tell us a little bit I, about that for a second. No, I know, no, I know. no. It's it, the thing I want to tell you is yeah. that it's it's a huge. It's the biggest creative thing I've. It checks as the most boxes in, in as far as a creative project i've been involved in some awesome you know multiple months long uh, collaborative projects and solo projects so long story short just i didn't i don't feel like i had the bandwidth because every day is a 10-hour day in seven days a week and um to prepare for this interview this talk today as well as i would have liked so you know just to be like really honest and frank i'm bummed about that because you know, because it's such a unique one. I want to be ready. So it's kind of going to be like just shooting from the hip and, and I just hope it, it goes well. Yeah. Well, in the tradition, in the tradition of cutting for sign, what do you, what are you looking for today? I'm looking to have, it's kind of a meta thing, right? There's the thing yeah. with the, with yeah. Sir John and then there's the thing, you know, the conversation you and I are setting up Yeah. in this draw is more, is more, we're talking to someone in character and that's so cool and interesting and weird. So I'm looking for that to go yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen, have you ever, this is kind of adjacent to this. Have you ever been around anyone in real life 
who claims that they're channeling somebody and watch them do it? No. I've, I've seen it one time and I don't remember what they said too much, but I watched a person transform in front of my eyes. Whoa. Like their mannerisms and really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so you believed them? I don't. I didn't say that. I didn't say I believed them. I believed they believed what they were doing. Well, I, I think I believed that they believed what they were doing. But they literally. I mean, they whatever the whatever it was, whether it was a performance or or whatever, like it was convincing. I mean, pretty well, that, convincing. Yeah. That's the thing about today's conversation is I was telling Tina, I was like, I was like, I want to have a conversation like yeah. with you. I'm not, I couldn't pretend really easily. I can embody and experience the reality really easily of just talking to Sir John. I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, we're talking to Tina and Sir John the whole time. And that's going to, yeah. So I, I'm really hoping that she's the type of actor. And I think she is who can just bullshit, you know, yeah. and we can have an episode of cutting for sun you know, with this person. Cause I don't think I'm gonna have a problem with that. I wish I was more prepared, but I've been really not prepared for other conversations on this. And they've been some of our best, the type of preparation of like knowing about someone's life. That's not entirely necessary for an authentic and deep conversation. You know what I mean? You can have deep conversation, a great conversation with someone on a bus you just met. It's how you can connect. So yeah. I want to connect with search on and how do you think you're going to like, where are you at? I, I mean, I, there's some things I'm curious about in, in, in his life. In and, his life. Yeah. Cool. And, and one of those is like the, the uh, I'm interested in people who've lived double lives. That's interesting. And, and Sir John did that for a long time. Well, see, that's intensely, of, man. That uh, it was like, you know, it's up there with like spy level double lives. That's one of the things that I'm curious about is like, I was asking her last night, I was like, how old is Sir John going to be showing up at? Yeah. And he was, she was like about 70. I was like, okay. And I was like, it's like such a tricky conversation. It was like, does it, it and I, this is why when I wish I was more prepared, like if I'd read her, her book or something is that, is that does, she, does he know that does, when did he die mm. and how much does, does he know she knows? How much does he know? How much did he know that other people found out? How much was still in the closet when he died with his yeah. family? And so, you know what I mean? I just, I don't know how to ask about that stuff. And I'm just curious about the end of the end of him and Tina's story together. Mm. You know, do you know what happened with them? I don't No, I'm, I'm only about yeah. uh, halfway through the book. So yeah. It'll, I mean, I, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to just ask, ask those questions. Well, I mean, that's the plan, but I just, I, I have no idea. I almost always know cutting for sign is going to go pretty well, you know, and I don't know how this is going to go today. <laughs> It'd be funny if he just berates you the whole time, like one of his own children. He's got one of the sharpest fucking tongues I've ever heard about. <laughs> about really? Yeah. Like, what do and, you want to find it's out? It's in a family, like the way that they speak to each other in the family is like, uh, that kind of cutting that can like the kind of insults that can only family can do because they know the soft underbellies of each person. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's a fine line between insult and love, you know, and adoration. What are you looking for? I think you're going to get some of that tonight. <laughs> uh, I know. I think it's nighttime too. Yeah. 
Um, I'm I'm curious. Uh, oh, Sir John's like knocking our door right now. I'm really curious about Sir John's um, double life as a religious person and as a person who who partied hard, real hard. Yeah, that's pretty good. And and but also lived life with with a level of formality that just doesn't exist very often anymore. Like it's really difficult to find people who live in a like who dress in shoots suits all the time who speak with oh. with a certain kind of eloquence like at least on the west coast like how many people do you run into who who live in a way that is it's a bygone era right like men don't wear it's really rare for men to wear suits anymore it's rare for people to have a lot of formalities around their life hmm. and sir john was the kind of guy at least in his religious life who um followed every church feast as well as jewish uh, traditions like he was a, he was ruled by ritual and loved it there was a lot of safety i think for him in ritual cool okay i'm curious about all that how that how you know how a guy can go from love it. uh you know high church to studio 54 that kind of that kind of world let's do it yeah Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> there he is, All right. John. <laughs> hello. 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 Good I morning say to good you. afternoon. Is yeah, we. It's been we, a long night. Me and uh, <laughs> me and um, Ron have both uh, Freudianly slipped calling this morning, this evening. So I think we're in all in a nighttime place. Time has got a little bit bendy. Uh, yes, I, I made it to mass at six thirty, but beyond that, uh, the night is a blur. John, are you? Uh, may I call you John? Well, Sir John, please. Sir I, John, Sir John, are I, you a are you a daily mass kind of person, or or just the weekends? Absolutely, I don't. Regardless of what happens the night before, I am at six thirty mass. Wow. Now, I, I do need a little coffee. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep myself going. Indeed. Indeed, cheers to that. Is it a pretty common occurrence to show up at Mass not having slept at all? Well, young man, Jesus does not judge. <laughs> let's, let's start with that. <laughs> For God's sake, and when was the last time you were at Mass? This is what I'd like to know. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good, good question. Well, I don't know how good of a question that is. It's a pretty boring question, to be honest. I, I don't go to Mass at all, ever. Really? Never been. I've never well, been. I'm not. I'm not. Do you pray for God's sake. Do you pray at least? Because I'm worried for your your well being beyond this planet. Yeah, I mean, it's a valid concern, but uh, I don't think I I've prayed outside of maybe just like desperately asking for something in a, in a moment of crisis. Right. I don't think I've really prayed in 15 years. I uh, tell you what, I'll we'll give you just a little bit of advice, even though I'm a little, <laughs> whatever. I'm getting, I'll, I'm going to wake up after my coffee. But let me <laughs> give you a little bit of advice there. If you pray when you don't need something, oh my goodness, you're good to see how magnificent a life you're living. Because everyone prays when there's a problem. 
that's kind of where I was going with the spirit of that answer, you know, but also, you know, these days, I think there's a lot of different definitions of prayer and what's yours. And do you think that there are valid different definitions of prayer? Well, certainly. I mean, if you're in communion with Christ of any kind, and you can call Christ whatever you damn well please. Hmm. But if you, really? well, I mean, I don't call Christ anything but Christ because I'm very well aware of the journey that he took, you know, and the stations of the cross and, and the, yeah. the, what he did for our sins. But putting that aside, there are many religions in the world. So you must respect that people call things by different names but my point is huh. your prayer could be very simple how about the prayer of every morning you pray thank you that's a I, prayer i like that i like that Sir See, John, that's a good before, i i you might like this i oh what you got for several me, years ago man. yeah several years ago i started um the christian rites of initiation to convert really? to catholicism <laughs> About well, four, maybe about four years ago. Indeed. Good for you, young man. Yeah, I still haven't taken communion though, and I, why I, is I'd it? like to. I'd miss. It. Um, why didn't we? Oh, I think part of it was. Um, you know what it was, is we were trucking along, and then life happened. We stepped out of it, and then, and then recently, I'm not sure if you've heard about this Roe versus Wade thing. That um, so I have. Yes, yeah. I have, of course. Yeah, and and when uh, and when you know some folks we we really respect in Catholic Church were were delighted that this happened, we just couldn't align ourselves with it anymore, and it yes. was it was a heartbreaking moment because because there were some things I was really enjoying, like what what you just said about um, calling Christ whatever you damn well please, hmm. um, in an ecumenical sense, that uh, that jived with me big time. Is that something that is common in the Catholic faith? I don't oh. know if about common, but uh, well, I would say certainly not. Well, that's why I, I would. I, that's what I thought. So, Sir John, what makes you different, especially being so entrenched in the Catholic faith? Uh, Knighted. Yeah, literally, like physically, in the, where you where you were living, and in the it seems your commitment. You know, showing up to mass every day what separates what made you be able to call, be a proponent of calling Christ whatever you want and so much of the people around you I'm assuming not well I'll tell you there's one one thing that happened that I will share with you but let me just say to back up to the to the all the religions in the world so when I say calling Christ what you want what I what I mean to say is that whatever gets you into uh, prayer is is perfectly fine. But I'll tell you where it opened my mind. Now, as a young man, I did not think what I'm going to say or have been saying. But what changed it is I've been doing a tour to Lourdes, France for the sick and handicapped for 35, 40 years now. I've been taking the sick and handicapped Catholics to Lourdes where Our Lady St. Bernadette appeared to the children and it, the, the waters are, are very special. And people, That's in France, right? With the spring? Yes, it's yep. with the hills of the Pyrenees. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been doing that for years. Now, back in the 80s, as I was taking people there, this crisis called AIDS happened. 
Now, I wanted to bring a tool of AIDS patients, Catholic AIDS patients. Mm. Now, they're not only men, there's children, all kinds of people, but no one was paying attention. And I wanted to bring them there on a special tour, and not a single hotel would take them. Mm. Now, if your heart is not open to everyone, you cannot call yourself Christian or Catholic. So my views expanded back in the mm. 80s. And I became a little more aware of the problems of keeping things so narrow on a lane to say AIDS patients cannot come. Mm. And why was that, I insisted. But That's, nobody would answer. That was uh, kind of ahead of your time, I would say, in, yeah. in a big way, in terms of discrimination discrimination towards people but before i i and, and this is intense and deep and i love it already but we uh, we kind of did you a disservice sir john normally when we have a guest on we like to read them an intro and, oh. that we've put together and we don't want to no need for that we don't want to withhold <laughs> you know when i'm on the dance floor <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah i would i would like to pause that right there uh to you know to thank you ron um to read this short intro, just to give the people who are listening a little, just a little bit more of a sense of, of your life. It's very short. I kept it really short, Thank um, you, but also really quick too. You know, we got, we got going so quickly and it's a, such a unique experience for us to be speaking with you. Um, uh, that I just want to say thank you. And, and also, is there any topics that you would rather not talk about? No, I'm an open really? book. And, and, and That's and, a nuanced statement coming from you. Well, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say we're going to open the Bible. But I'm an open book. Okay. And, and, and just for today, because, you know, recently I did separate from my wife. So I feel, mm. I feel that I'm able to speak a little more um, freely, shall we say. And you, you, okay, thank you. And then you have about an hour, is that right? <clears throat> Yes, yes, I've, I've I've got an important call with Archbishop Carboni at the Vatican, so I'll need to be getting off. It's nine. It's about nine fifteen. Is it at ten o'clock? We need to say goodbye, Sharp. Yes, that's that. that okay. that would be wonderful. Thank okay. you. Okay, absolutely. And, and then, thank you for having me today, because th the world is upside down. So <laughs> I have a chance to talk with you about whatever you'd like to ask and discuss. Okay. fine with me. Well, let me read this and then um, me and Ron will briefly introduce ourselves because I don't know what you know of us. So here we go. Not Sir enough. John. <laughs> Sir John, <clears throat> we're going to keep it short. Uh, you were born in England, lied about your age to join the Merchant Marines, were an officer in the British Army stationed in Palestine, moved to the States, started a Catholic travel agency. You were knighted by the Pope, had a Vatican passport, traveled about 500,000 miles a year from the late 50s through the 70s and lived most of your adult life in Chevy Chase, Maryland. You had 13 children and lived at least one double life. All right, so that's your, some brief little facts about you. What me and Ron are doing here, why we're curious about you is because we are just two guys who are, are living more authentic lives each day at this stage, I would say. And we have found that 
a good way for us to do that has been to speaking to people who are just further down the road in some walk of life that we admire or at least curious about. And within that definition are people who just have fully lived and fully engaged with life. And you seem as much as anyone that I've ever heard of to be a person who has been the contradictions within them and the play of those contradictions living in the world and and living within and and becoming working themselves out i don't know if i've ever heard of a story it was more express more fully expressed version of that and it sounds like a wild ride and ron and i are just really curious and in awe of that you really lived this life that you've lived and we would just love to learn more about it. Would you say that's accurate, Rowan? Yeah, I absolutely would. And I would also, and I'd also add to that is, is John, first of all, you, you know, you were born in England under the church of England's reign and rule. And yet you were Catholic. Did you, were your parents Catholic? Well, actually, my my mother, who I grew up with part time, uh -huh. uh, she was Catholic, and her mother was Catholic. My my grandmother and I I actually was raised more by my grandmother. My grandmother had twelve children, so that's where I got the idea from. <laughs> you wanted the apostles, yes, <laughs> the twelve tribe, well, tribes of I Israel. I wanted the apostles. Believe <laughs> me, my my wife and I had had our eye on fifteen, and I was hoping for twelve boys to name them after the apostles. And that 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 that's that is the truth. I only got five, but um, there you are. Yeah, but the, yeah, the girls I, will have to do, I suppose. Well, those bloody girls—they're always late. They'll be late to their own funeral. Mm. <clears throat> So what, what, uh, oh, hold on, Ron, hold on, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, hold on. I, I want to return to what I was saying because that was mm. something that is important. So that idea of this adventure of your life that you've lived. Yes. Do you have a sense that it is this great adventure? What it is, you know, from your perspective, hindsight? Well, um, I mean, I'm not dead yet, <laughs> but. I have lived quite the life. I did eat the eye of a bull in Africa once, and that's just the start of it. I ate I, the eye of a pig. Well, <laughs> I did. Yes. In a yes. shot of tequila. Well, I didn't have the tequila, but they gave me something to get it down. <laughs> what it was. My friend ate the other eye and scratched his throat terribly on the ret on the on the lens. My goodness. Lenses I know are this scratching. I didn't know it peeled off halfway down and and I was throwing an epic three day party for my graduation college and we buried a pig and cooked a pig and we took the eyes out and shot him and shot it. We were crazy. Well, someone should have told you to chew the damn thing. Oh, did you chew yours? <laughs> of course. Oh. <laughs> of course. It wasn't good to good to do good to do. Yeah, you must you must you must chew it, boys. Good Lord <laughs> Almighty. Now, what, 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 yes, I mean, of course, I'm a blessed man. I've seen the world. I've traveled everywhere. I'm very, very close to the, to the, to the, the hierarchy of, of, 
of Vatican City, and um, and that that gives me a very interesting perspective on life. And I tell my children all the time, and I have since I was you know a young man, and they were babies, that you know people are starving all over the world. This this world you see in Chevy Chase, Maryland, and around the D.C. area, this is not the world. And and I've had the privilege of seeing that the children starving. Uh, I've supported an orphanage in in Jerusalem for most of my life, and my my children. We would have a jar on the dining room table throughout the whole, their whole lives, and every day I said, find a way to get the penny in that jar because we need to send it to the children who have nothing, and eat everything on your plate as well. Because if you don't want it, don't take it. That's fine, but don't leave it because someone out there needs it. So this is the kind of perspective of life that I brought back. And that gave me great privilege to bring that life, that knowledge back. And then, of course, the children started traveling at a young age <clears throat> all around the world at different times. And I wanted them to see what's what. Well, I understand that you've been a very good person. You also seem to be a rascal. And oh. How oh, that's a good word. Well done. How do you... How do you how do you get those things to be in the world and okay and not go crazy? Well, let me tell you. Okay, now this gets a little personal, but that's okay. I told you I'm an open book now. Things have changed. My daughter, Christine. Now some call her Tina, but I hate that name because mm -hmm. Tina is not a saint. Christine, she was a fine saint. Separately. A man is a man is a man. Now, we're all talking as men, so we have to just be honest about this. There are certain things about us that are different than women. And we have things that we need to do. We, set, we, we support our families. Uh, we, 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 we guide our children. But we're still men. And for me, the best way that I could support family and be there for my 13 children was to also leave and get things that I needed outside of my house. So that is true. My family knows this at this point in life. I, I'm not, not proud that their feelings were hurt about it, but, but this is what I needed to do. And back then, people didn't talk about things so much. People you had a problem you kept it to yourself now now we're having podcasts to discuss it <laughs> and i think you're you're being a little bit um, vague about what you mean by your needs you're talking about being in relationship with sexual relationships with other men well if you want to put it that way yes did you did you discriminate i mean was it also women did you have all kinds of affairs well, I had 13 children, so there's nothing wrong with women. <laughs> but uh, I kept most of my activities private with men who were private. I had a longtime lover. In fact, it was Christine's hmm. godfather, who was my lover for many years, discreetly. And we both had needs. And um, yes, my, Unfortunately, um, was a time when neither one of us felt that 
you know, we could do anything but be private. So we, we did that. Um, and yes, yeah, so that was mostly uh, maybe an occasional gal, but um, only after a couple bottles of Chateau <laughs> I really admire when people can have seemingly very contradictory parts of themselves live in the world and um, be okay together alongside and be very different because it's a personal microcosm of what we are experiencing with other people. You know, if you can live with contradiction in yourself, then maybe you can more easily accept and live with people who contradict you. Well, and yes. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah, so. Yes, very much so. And I don't know if it's a contradiction. Mm. Uh, that's an interesting statement. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily think it's a contradiction. It feels like a contradiction when you can't be right. open mm. about what you'd like to be open about because well, you, the circumstances. You know a lot of people and are very close with a lot of people in the church. Like, do they know about this part of your life? Well, there's there's a few trusted confidants, let's say. Oh. Um, that I do have because, you know, I, I do go to confession regularly and, um, you know, we're all sinners and there's much to, to confess, but, um, in the most part, uh, we all keep our private, private lives, mostly private, but th there are a few that have deep understanding of the limitations, uh, that, that, that I've had based on, you know, when when I was brought into the world and what the world looked like at that time. And of course, things are different. You know, my favorite word these days that I I love to answer your question as well is this this, this concept of fluid. Hmm. Now, that's a nice <laughs> word, isn't it? Because everyone is yeah. fluid. Yeah. If you allow yourself to be, we're just animals fluid in the sense of there is no contradiction it's just a simple choice today so you're about 70 years old right now would you answer have answered that question similarly at here's a better question at what point in your life go back as far as you need to would the answer to that question be in this conversation be very different mm. of course it would my 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 man because i had a very difficult time um, about 10 years ago, my, my, my wife and my family uh, discovered uh, some of my history. And uh, it was a very painful time. My wife was very upset as she left the, the house that we had raised the children. Uh, I slept on the couch for many years at my office here. Um, and I had uh, what they call some thinking to do some decisions to make. And so at that time, I realized through her honesty with me that I had caused her a lot of pain. So, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken to my, my closest priest friends and discussed it with them at length over the past decade or so and found my way to you today as the person that I am. But no, it wasn't always this way. Bloody hell, no. I mean, it's not that I wanted my my wife to leave. On the other hand, God writes straight with crooked lines. 
tell us about that moment when you, when you, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, your daughter Tina came to you and said, or no, I'm sorry, somehow you found out that she was gay. Yes. And you intuited and, it at, over of a meal. Well, yes, it did. I mean, oh, I didn't yes, know that. That's, that's true. I, I had seen her, you know, she was a real tomboy, that that one. <laughs> and, um, and mostly just 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 uh, in love with basketball, not necessarily boys or girls. She was just in love with the basketball on her arm uh, for, for, for her whole life. Yeah. By the time she was in high school, I believe it was late high school. Um, yes, I, I I started to notice. I started to notice her, her, her spending more time away from the house and and uh, spending some time with her her basketball coach. And uh, it, it seemed to be she was spending time with a lot of older women. Um, and you know, one one who who plays in the sand understands the grains, if you will. So I was a a, a bit um, surprised at first, but then somewhat relieved, and I thought she's probably not telling anyone clearly. Not her brothers and sisters, certainly not her mother. She seems to be going out and being out all the time. So I invited her and her friend at the time, a basketball uh, coach lady, to dinner. And yes, we had a we had a wonderful dinner, and we were discussing her basketball scholarships. And then one thing led to another, and I'm sure we all had had plenty of wine. And um, I thought it was a good time to let her know someone loved her. Hmm. Uh, regardless of of whether she was interested in boys or girls, and so and, and when I I, I got to interrupt in, in this place, how much of that was was inspired? The, I see two two motivations. One is a fatherly motivation to love their daughter, and to and to um, bring some some. Um, uh, acceptance to their daughter and who their daughter is. And another motivation is you've got a secret life that many people don't know about, especially in the inner circle of your 13 children and, and in that side, how much of that motivation of being honest was also there? Well, that's a, a fine question, young man. I, I, I would say that my first concern and perhaps because I knew myself what a dilemma it is to have to wear two different hats at home and otherwise. And so I, I saw my daughter uh, doing exactly that. And sure, I, of course, loved my daughter deeply and, and did not want her to suffer. On the other hand, the fact that I had my own experience and there was a family member there. You know, I, I love my family. I don't know how much they love me, but I think that my daughter 
was able to see me and my struggle in a way that the others could not, because of course, her own choices and her own preference. I think uh, to answer your question, a combination of both. And I would say that the most, one of the most special relationships of my life is with my daughter because we accepted each other for a time exactly as we were. Prior to that, you had a bit of a reputation as a hard father. Well, I am a disciplinarian and I believe I come out of the army, British army, and I understood discipline and hard work. And I implored in my children that they must work hard. And if they were going to, to uh, spend my money on Catholic colleges and Catholic high schools and private prep schools, then for God's sake, you're going to study. So yes, it's, it's, it's important that people buckle down and be responsible. And I think if you want to call it that, that's fine, but I would call it, yes, there's a responsibility in life that one must show up and, and, and respect what they're given and make the most of it because there is nothing you cannot do if you put your mind to it. This is what I told Christine time and time again, as, long, as, as well as my other children. When did you when did you first begin to suspect or when did you start to feel attraction that you knew was a was not totally acceptable was not acceptable in your um, Catholic upbringing Catholic faith? Well, of course, I was in the in the Merchant Marines, yeah. uh, as you as you stated in my opening. Um, um, well. I don't, I don't want to get emotional here, um, but I left, I had a father. Well, he wasn't really my father, he was my stepfather. And he was a bastard. And his tongue was as hard as his hand. And so I left and I went and I did lie, as you stated, to get into the Merchant Marine so I could get the bloody hell out of that house. So you were 16 when you left? Yes. yes. And I'd had enough of his hand and his mouth. And so I left. Now, when I was on the ship, something happened. It wasn't a pleasant experience with one of the, one of the older sailors. Um, but it happened. And that's not the reason. I know that's that's what what you're going to think, and that's not the reason that there there wasn't a a, a, a a preference. But that did happen, and it did open my eyes to the fact being on a ship with all the men. It wasn't the only thing happening that I was privy to uh, men being with men. So I was exposed to it at a very young age. And uh, over time, I realized that, that there was an attraction, not for what happened, not for the for for, for the pain of of that experience as a as a, a young boy, but but for a, a, a genuine uh, connection, if you will, to men. 
And so, so I think that developed with my time and then being in the army stationed in Palestine, I fell in love with my first love hmm. in Palestine. Yeah. Well, you, too. while you were there, um, working in a, in a Catholic capacity, correct? Well, I was in the British Army. Oh, in the British so, Army. That's right. You were stationed there. That's right. I was in the war. I was yeah. part of the war office. So I was responsible for certainly sending information and, and, and gathering information. And of course, Catholicism was a very vital part of what was happening. <clears throat> so, Sir John, um, it, it, right now is a time where a lot of people, they, that word fluid, you know, that you use, I mean, one of the ways that I say it is like labels of peeling off, you know, labels of our gender and our identity and um, things are becoming more fluid and more, everything's more on a spectrum or on a sphere instead of being this or that. And that is, has been causing a lot of conversation and at times violence. And, and on the other side of that, some of the most, beautiful coming together and supportive interactions and moments between strangers, between people who know each other, between families. Like there's a lot going on around the discussion that we're having. What do you, do you feel like living the life that you lived and then seeing that happen and seeing people succeed and struggle and, and just in that experience, do you feel like you heartfeltly, you, does your heart reach out to people who are, going through that and do you want to say anything to them do you, what happens in your mind when you see people go through the thing that we're talking about in the many iterations and versions that it that it can happen in well i think it's tragic when a family can't be a family because there's secrets and lies this is true and i of all people understand this from my own experience and my own problems so i accept that i had a problem uh, but I also accept that the, that the times were different. And so what I would say mm. to anyone is, as I found my daughter and she found me, there may not be a person inside your family today that accepts you for who you are, but family can be found anywhere. And I would suggest to anyone struggling with, with their preference, with their identity, as they say, or their even their gender, that they find people who accept them exactly as they are. The way Jesus Christ accepted, remember Jesus accepted the leopards, the sick, the poor, especially the sick. And not to say anything in, in relation to the sick in comparison, all I'm saying is that at that time, uh, you know, when Christ was on the earth, there were all kinds of people, excuse me, uh, there were all kinds of people um, that judged the poor, the sick, they were less than. So I make the comparison for that reason only. Understood. Thanks for the clarification. And so I say, what, what did they do, the followers? So ask yourself, who are my followers? Who can I follow that is like me? that I can, I can get the support from. And maybe down the road, maybe never, it's possible. 
maybe the family will come around once you come around to your own um, self-acceptance, self-love, and generosity for who you are. You see, when you're in a position where you think that you are the other or you're less or you're looked at as less than, the problem is most of the time we don't give because we're so desperately looking for acceptance that we're out scrambling to grab. But I say, turn the table, be the best advocate, be the best friend, be the best, most generous person with whatever you have to those who are like you and le have less than you. And that will change everything. So if you, it will, if your 16 year old self who had that experience on that ship, I mean, we're talking what, 55 years ago, heard you say what you just said and took it to heart. How might your life the decades after that looked different? Well, yeah, despite I mean, I, the times. Yes, I, I, I must say that um, it might surprise you to hear this, but I have no regrets. I don't want to not have my 13 children. I don't not want to have had the experience with with my first love in Palestine or my later love in life, um, Christine's godfather. Uh, or, or any of the other experiences, or or eating eating the bullseye. Mm -hmm. That said, um, I, I I I think that when times change, there are things that you can you can do differently. So if I were to to have said that to that sixteen year old, I think he would have thought I was crazy and thrown me off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I said if. He he took it to heart, but I think we're starting to talk about things that are just too impossible. And I appreciate that. You know, it's, he just wouldn't have been able to hear the message and fair. Yes. Well, because I think that the, the church, frankly, was very, very important to me. I'd been an altar boy, my practically my whole youth. I was in the choir. I was, uh, had a choir scholarship to Wimbledon uh, prep school. Uh, they had a very special choir and I was part of that. And so I was very, very much, um, one with the church and the church was not going to have any of that. Uh, not even, I mean, look at the Pope today, at least he's come around and said what the others might've thought, but never dared say, which is we welcome you. We're all one. We're all sinners. But back then, no, no, I didn't want to lose the church. Had you considered uh, going to the priesthood? I did, actually. I was very close to becoming a priest. I was right on the line. And I, for some reason, my stepfather, uh, the one time in his life where he seemed to care, encouraged me to, to not join the priesthood. Um, and I don't know why exactly. I don't think he was a great fan of the Catholic Church, but but I was at a really crossroads of, you know, stepping into the priesthood or or, or, or um, going to America. I met my wife in Palestine as well um, later, but I met her in the Holy Land. In fact, I gave her a tour of the Stations of the Cross. That's how we met. I was a British officer and she came over. She was in the American army. She came over with some friends and someone told her, 
uh, Sir John is very knowledgeable about the church and the Stations of the Cross and everything else. So you should find him and ask him to give you a tour, which I did. And that's how we met. But, uh, <laughs> so no, no priesthood for me, but um, yeah. very, very devoted to, to the church. So uh, another <clears throat> question, and I, I hope this isn't, I hope this is welcomed. And if you, and I invite you to play with me a little bit here. Um, oh, I'd love to play with you. Uh, <laughs> if I, I like to think of problems or ways that our life was not going well in the past based on our own actions, but those situations that have gotten a lot better, okay, they're in the past. All right, it's done. Now I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm honest with my sex, about my sexuality. I, my family knows. And you think we talk about it as if it's in the past and it's, it's done and everything's good now, which to some extent to potentially great extents is true. But I also like to assume that there's a version of that, of what caused that, that's still here now. If you had to come up with some part of your life that is still being affected by, that is still within and not living it without, or that there's still some sort of conflict with, what might that be? Well, certainly, um, you know, my relationship with my, with most of my children. Now it's, it's, it's not, it's not terrible. It's certainly better than 10 years ago, but there's a lot of, it's a lot of, problems and, 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 and anger and opinions and um, and frankly not all, all acceptance uh, and 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 to a certain extent my family uh, some of my children would prefer that I don't speak out about the truth. Um, it's very painful for them and I understand that I probably caused them great pain and got you in the secrets so I would say, Mostly with with my children, there seems to be still some some work to do uh, to 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 get those those relationships back uh, to where. And what does that work look like? And are you willing to do it? Do you have the time? Do you have the capacity? You know what I mean? Well, I I, I don't know, but uh, what I would say is that 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 uh, that it takes two to tango. That everyone mm -hmm. must be willing to come to the table. Sure. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not interested in, in spending time and time and time discussing what happened back in the past. I, right. I, I, I think that, that life is short and, and, and my days, who knows, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as young as I once was. So do I they want I'm to old. talk though? Well, some do and some don't. And you're uh, not willing to? Well, I'd be willing to, to discuss. I have had some conversations, but you know, a lot of my family, they want to talk about my drinking and all the years oh. of my drinking and and bloody hell, I, I, I do like my wine, but- um, They want to talk to you about your drinking with the, with a kind of with a loaded way of saying stop? Well, certainly. I mean, I've had yeah. conversations with some of my children back in the day and, oh, dad, I think you have a problem and yeah, yeah, yeah. go to therapy or, or <laughs> you should go to the Alcoholics Anonymous situation and all these things. And, and bloody hell, I, I work, you know, 20 hours a day to support them. And um, if I need to drink, well, 
I'm going to have a drink. You have no so intention Dan, of stopping the, stopping the drinking. I have no desire to stop drinking. So Absolutely Jonah, not. And I, I served wine at the Last Supper. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and he turned water into wine. Absolutely. And he would have turned mud into wine if he could have. <laughs> <laughs> New, new wine or old wine? Isn't that one of the key distinctions? Yes, that's a good point you make. <clears throat> um, I recently saw a, uh, a video of a guy who is a notorious drinker. And it is in the volume that he drinks, it's a problem. But in the it's destroying his life, it's not a problem. You know, like he has a good relationship with his wife and he has good, I, you don't see it being a problem other than like, oh my God, you drink that much most days. And his body will eventually break down. Right. Well, he <laughs> fucking, he, excuse my language, he made this video where, and I, Ron, Ron is, uh, can I? Sober. Yeah. yeah nine, so nine years, sober. nine years and, of drinking. And I'm tempted to not say this, Ron, share the story because I don't yeah. hope it's not like uncomfortable or triggering to you, but I'm going to assume it's fine. Because I've asked you before around stuff like this, but long story short, he makes this video and it's him celebrating drinking much in the tone of voice you were just saying, but he went on to describe he goes, I love drinking. I love waking up in the morning with a with a mimosa and watching a sunrise. I think he said a cocktail in the sunrise. Mm. It's one of my favorite things. He goes, when people come over with a bottle of wine, there's and you just and you just know this is going to be a great day. You know, this is a person who drinks like 18 drinks a day several times a week, you know, so he's he's a drinker. But also, I just never heard any celebrate. I think that little example, if you'll like bear with me for a second, the it fits the conversation we're having because him talking about this part of his life that's so shamed by so many people and even subtly so where we just we don't we don't celebrate how fun it is to day drink you know morning drink because wh why would you and him celebrating with such heart and honesty i think it fits exactly what we're talking about it's him sharing a part of himself that is scorned by most people and instead he's celebrating and he did it it's a really heartfelt thing to hear and so I, does that does that make sense because you just kind of did it also and it's a value of mine to fuck it i am who i am and i like what i like and i i see that it can be a problem and i see where it's been a problem and it's either worth the problem or i can't do anything about it i don't know where you land with drinking around that discussion but there's something about that that i think is really fun and and refreshing well, I think it's always refreshing to see people who have no shame. Yes. Their choices. Yes. So no shame, no blame. And I think that's <laughs> life's objective should be that for everyone. No shame, no blame. And, so I and blame you for my life. Where I, where I am in my life, I do not blame anyone. I am only responsible. That said, I also have no shame about the choices I make. That's why I make them. Now, if I have shame about the things I do, then there's a problem. Wait, I'm glad you brought up shame because I, I was wanting to ask you about that. Was there an early part in your life when you started to see a distinction between your public life and your private life? And each was getting more intense and more um, 
you know, you had 13 kids. There's a lot of work. You traveled half a million miles a year. And prior to that, you were building that business, which took yep. a tremendous amount of work. Yes. I At what point did you, did, did the shame stop having an effect on you to stop, to keep you from growing? Yes. I, I, I would say that I've been, been, been a changed person in the last 10 years, especially, uh, part of that, you know, I, I would, I would be dishonest, uh, certainly disingenuous to say to you today that I did not experience my own shame as a mm. father of 13, uh, uh, carrying on with a, with a life that none of my family knew that, that, that. Cause but it wasn't I, just that you were having a, an affair. You were, you were also partying really hard. Well, yes, that didn't necessarily affect that. <laughs> Perhaps <life>. even last night. <laughs> oh, well, well, that's for sure. But we'll talk about that another session. Um, yes. Um, I really like this young lady, Rihanna. Mm -hmm. They had her on the, 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 I was on the dance floor last night. They did some sort of medley. I think it lasted 20 minutes and I was really on the table by the end of it with this gentleman and we had a really good time, but I digress. So what were you asking? Yes. About the shame. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yes, I think that shame is also healthy because it, it, it's something the church has encouraged people to allow their shame to exist and to embrace their shame and to call themselves um, out, if you will, to say, well, this is not the direction I want to be pointed in. And so I think shame is like a pointer. If you have shame, it, it might mean that something in your life is pointed the wrong way. Hmm. But if you're not feeling shame, then perhaps you're on the right path of what you're supposed to be doing. Which, which is why there were times I was able to live my life without shame. It wasn't mm. always present during that time. Had you hoped, had you hoped that you could carry on as a family man without that part of your life ever being exposed? Or did you want it to come out? No, I did not want it to come out. Of course not. This was not my choice. This is not my choice at all. And I don't even know to this day exactly how it happened, but I know Christy <laughs> she told her mother about her own lifestyle. I don't know why she decided to be exposing at that point in time. But when that happened, things started to unravel and I don't know who said what to whom and I don't bloody well care at this point. Mm. But, but I did not want it to come out because I think I understood that if I if I was able to keep my life um, separate from my children, that perhaps I wouldn't cause them the pain that 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 that, that it eventually did cause, and mm -hmm. perhaps still is causing them pain. Well, I'm glad you brought up Christine. I was wanting to ask you, you know, and I know we have about eight minutes or so. Um, you know, we I, I'm assuming you know we spoke to Christine. She came on on cutting for sign and. <clears throat> yes, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. We've done 92 of these conversations, um, you know, with like 90-ish people. And That's a lot. Congratulations to you thanks. both. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's been a thank you. And Christine was really easy to talk with, speak with. And uh, it was a meaningful conversation to, I think, all three of us. And when she, she was telling us about, and as I was learning more about you and her, it was hard for me to, you're such an enigma. You know, like how can the way you dress, the way you speak, um, Ram was saying earlier, it's like of a bygone era in the discipline and the consistency of, and the effort that goes into maintaining um, all of that persona, not to say it's fake. And so I didn't really understand. And because I don't know so much about all of you, it's just through a couple conversations. I really want to know, like you did, you, you had such a hand in creating this incredible human you know i don't know anything Christine, about your other that's who you're referring to yeah yeah i don't know anything about your other 12 children do you but i don't know if you experience her the way the little way that i experience her it are you connected really deeply with her do you, can you speak candidly can you connect with her do you like love and gush do you see how great she is can you speak a little bit to your daughter well i would say that 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 i'm well aware of her talents uh obviously since she was a young girl as i i spoke earlier about her dedication to basketball and then her studies and was very very um, studious and in honors and all the way and and also to get her master's degree so I see her dedication she does take after her father absolutely um, she is her father's daughter um, uh, and 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 I am very proud of her uh, now I am not uh, let's say uh, as close with her as I once was we're, we're trying we're trying uh, she is one of the one of my daughters who I'm having a little bit of a problem with. She's she's gone off to live in California. Uh, her life has changed. She's become an actress and this and that. And I don't know what California holds uh, for 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 her. But but I miss her. Uh, I wish we were closer. What would you want her to know? about the way you think about her? Well, of course I love her. And um, I never did anything other than love her. And although she, she, she I think she may, she may consider uh, me telling her about all the details of my life and spending those years with her. Excuse me, I've gotten emotional here. Um, I, I think that um, that she's a bit confused that the reasons that I told her the things were were just for me. Mm. But I really did tell her the things that I told her so that she could that she did not have to live the life that I lived. And strangely enough, she's not living the life that I lived. So we're trying to catch up to each other, I think. Yeah. Oh, well said. Well said. I felt that emotion too. Experienced a little bit of myself. Appreciate that, John. 
Sir John. Of course. Yeah, John, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I think that it's a really unique life that is being exposed. And I think that I wonder because of the religious aspect of it, if it's, if you're not going to retroactively help a lot of people by the way you lived, you know, I don't like to talk about Christianity, you know, uh, especially on this show because because a lot of Christian people, in my observation, are not living Christian lives, and they're not speaking with love. You know, and that, as I understand it, the word Catholic means universal. And it was a very accepting religion. And I haven't even heard a lot of Catholics speak from that center. And to be honest, when you came on, I didn't think that you would either. So I wasn't really looking forward to talking to that about that part. And you instantly did and do. And that's where you live your life. You not only speak it, but you like live it. And, you know, we were like really asking you to shine light on that part too, which probably to some extent I would think uncomfortable and it's just it's the way that you're speaking the way that you've lived and the way that that's being told and retold it, it's what the world in my observation just needs it's gold you know yes the world needs love love is a many splendor thing that's what the world needs the world needs love in any religion, every religion, no religion, it doesn't matter. If you're not centered in love, you're not in a Christ space. And that's what the world should know, whether people are Catholic or atheist or whatever you want to call yourself is perfectly fine. I really don't need the world to be Catholic. I do need the world to find love. Can you use this last minute to do, give us your definition of love? Well, I think love is an absolute, unconditional acceptance of the way things are, mm. especially the way okay. someone else is. And if we need someone, our neighbor, or the person driving next to us or whatever, to be a certain way in order to be happy, we are not in a place of love. No one needs another person to be a certain way in order to be happy. <laughs> we think we do the world uh, thinks they need everyone to be a certain way in order to wake up and have a <laughs> smile on their face and that is absolutely not true and this goes back to my point about responsibility no one is coming to save you and no one's going to turn themselves upside down and be something else so you're happy I read something the other day I'll wrap up with this um, you know uh, there have been a lot of uh, issues of, of, of child um, sexual abuse and abduction and child slavery, sexual slavery and this and that. And what I read was there wasn't one drag queen responsible for it. <laughs> so all of the people thinking that's my problem. He's my problem. She's my problem. If only the world were this way everything would be happy. This is especially a problem in America. Hmm. Cheers to that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. I might uh, um, informally nominate um, for sainthood 
future sainthood, the fluid Saint John of Chevy Chase. <laughs> Saint John. Saint John. Well, I like Sir John, but I'll take Saint John. Okay. I'll take them both. Thank Sir you John, for your thank time, you so sir. much for your time today. What a you delight. You gentlemen are the real deal, as they say. Hmm. And I can see love right across your hearts, both of you. Cheers to that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Cheers and have a lovely day. You as well. Thank you, Sir John. Take care. God bless. Field dressing, everybody. Sorry to take a moment. I got I got a little teary-eyed. Did you too? Did I see a little bit of a of a tiny little droplet of moisture welling up inside your left eye? Or is yeah. it just, just allergy season for you? on that cold cold heart (laughs) i don't like to talk about tears (laughs) hey real quick before i jump in this uh tina wants to come on i think probably just to say goodbye you serious yeah okay yeah tina do you want to do you want to join us for our field dressing we were in the middle of our field dressing. oh i'm so sorry no no join us we we wouldn't have let you in if we didn't want you here oh okay (laughs) Okay. we we do like 10 minutes where we just like five 10 minutes whatever you have if you want yeah five would be good because i actually you could jump off anytime it's totally okay okay yeah how was that for you oh my god um yeah it it opens my heart to um keep his spirit alive you know my dad isn't with us anymore but um as i've explored him in different creative ways um you know i've you know given creative license for him to obviously be around and be in 2023 and things like this and kind of you know move and shake with with a lot of creative license but um no matter what whenever i step into him it's um it just feels like giving him space to be the guy that he didn't get to be Mm. right right that's I was wondering that a lot that's kind of like was the reason I started like putting on the suit and tie and seeing and then doing the solo show which is of course how this all came about why yeah yeah and then when the pandemic happened um you know I was bored like everyone else and I was like pull that (laughs) suit out maybe he has some you know more enlightened things to say now um yeah. Then when I portrayed him, you know, off Broadway, where it was a lot of his pain and struggle and, right. um, and I thought, let him transform into something, you know, maybe lighter and wiser. And so yeah. that's why I took the path today with you guys to like, you know, let him sort of be separated and now have a little more awakening. Cause the truth is like coming on in his sort of defensive early self is, yeah, mm. we're, we're just going to hit a wall together. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I do know behind that who he was because I got to spend time. Right. So, How yeah. Amazing. How amazing is that? Like the ways that life finds a way to heal and to get out of being subconscious and unconscious, like the, the, the life he never got to live yeah. gets to live in you, through you to some extent and in some version. Yeah. Like how cool is that? Yeah. It's a, that's, it's a very cool yeah. experience. I'm sorry to, to jump in here, Tina, but I, I know you got just a few minutes here, but I know from my own experience too, I had a very difficult relationship with my dad to the point where I was asked when I was about 20 years old, what kind of man I wanted to be. And this was in an interview for me to be a student chaplain at my university. 
Wow. And because I had almost gone the the, Went that, the we were going to go the ministry route, route. Too, right? Yeah. And and I was asked, "What kind of man do you want to be?" And before, without even considering it, I just immediately responded, "Not like my father." Yeah. And I just started crying. Yeah. And yet, years later, almost all of my best writing projects that I've been working on have been about reconciling my understanding of who my dad is and humanizing him in a way that I have only love and grace for his experience. Now the judgment's gone. Isn't that amazing? It is. It is amazing. Yeah. It's a huge gift. Yeah, absolutely. And you are the man you are because of it. And really, because yeah. all that That's rage right. and anger, which was justified, you know, when we have, you know, bullies for parents and that's the only side of them we know. Of course, that's not ever all they are. But if that's really what you mostly saw, because it's so funny you mentioned that about not wanting to be him, because I was, you know, I, I did not want to be my dad. I definitely didn't want to be my mom either, who seemed mm -hmm. to me as a kid like a little bit of a doormat, you know, yeah. his rage and, and alcoholism. And, you know, he didn't treat her very well. Yeah. You know, but obviously I understand better why that, you know, torment in the early years was what it was. Sure. Sure. Hey, uh, before you go, there's one little awkward moment that started right at the beginning that I just, I was going to message you afterwards about it. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to bring it up in the conversation, but it just wasn't a moment. Yeah. Um, the first, for literally like the first thing we all said is you asked a question and then I said, well, that's not, a, you asked if I'd prayed. And Ron was like, that's an interesting question. And I was like, well, I don't think that's an interesting question. It's a boring question. What I, what, literally what I meant to say was it's a boring answer. But it came out, I was nervous. <laughs> and it came out as a boring question. You were nervous. Was like, what do you I mean? Was. And it was, I'm in it a came out, <laughs> It came off like an insult to this person that I'm just meeting. I was just like, oh, shit. So, I'm sorry about that. I was just, I, no, words no, I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was great because I felt okay. pushed back against and I thought, oh, this is good because it's going to like really bring up like where he was and where he's at. And yeah, cool. And I was hoping that he would take it like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Tina. It's, <laughs> it's been a real delight to get to do this. Like, I know it's, it's, it's really lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you both yeah. for your beautiful totally. centered selves. It's great. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. All right. Take care. Have a great day. We'll, we'll let you know when this comes out okay. and I'd uh, love to share this with you. Take okay. care. Great. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye guys. That was cool. I'm glad she came back. I on. am too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Part two, the field dressing. <laughs> That's great. I mean, if it's not clear enough, guys, you know, we had, um, uh, Tina on she's what, do you remember what, uh, episode number that was? Oh, just a few episodes ago. It was like 85 or 86 yeah. or something. Yeah. And, and Tina Alexis Allen is, a, is an actress. She's been in a fair amount of things. She, you know, a recurring role on a great show on FX. And um, like she said, had an off-Broadway show about her father, one, a one-person show uh, about, a, a you know, Sir John, who, you know, one could even say he might have even been a spy with his connections. Um but really has this very human story about her, you know, experience in her world and having an unlikely ally in her dad. I mean, I think that's what's, what's kind of powerful here is like the enemy of the family, the common enemy of the family, the father ended up being, you know, someone who, who turned her into who she is today. So I mean, undoubtedly one of the most interesting <clears throat> parts about her story for sure. I, yeah. I've found myself, 
as the conversation went on to be more interested in the unique way that we let ourselves out into the real world mm-hmm. as that conversation of around individuation you know your insides become your outside your outside world becomes inside subconscious becomes conscious conscious becomes conscious uh, attention goes into your subconscious the separation between those two things you know is less I've, I've heard a definition of the purpose of life one time to be the the moving of unconscious contents in the and potential in the universe to conscious like that's what humans are doing you know we're little critters just just schlupping subconscious direct potential into the conscious world you know i'm not saying that's the reason but it's an interesting idea and then every once in a while you know or maybe very often there's these these amazing ways that people do that Mm. and i think that twofold her dad living a double life then that double life kind of getting discovered by tina and then her or then him not condemning her which is the expected right. you know maybe the predictable way that story goes him going let's fucking party we'll keep it all under under wraps and for years they live it together how how unique and interesting and then the other the even greater extent the way that she is living what well, loved the way she said her she's the way that she's portraying her father is a way for his better self to yeah. live in the world somehow yeah yeah, that struck me big time. And that's, I think, what I've been try- attempting to do in, in writing with my dad as a character as well. A hundred percent, man. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing about you. And I was like, I wonder if that thought, if there's a ver, would change the way Ron is writing about his dad. Oh, it's already, I mean, I think it's already in process. I mean, I, and, and more than that, more than just the product of writing, like it's helped me personally. And I think clearly with Tina as well reconciled my image my own image of who my dad was in my mind you know it's a built character um based on a limited number of of experiences i've had with him a limited number of of stories i've heard about him and i had to like you know balance the ledger right so in order to, to have some peace and i think that's what she's doing in a beautiful way and I, and I'm, and I'm attempting to do the same and, it, and it's worked in a lot of ways in my life because I do love him and respect him more than I've ever had in my whole life. Well, it'd be interesting to like, let's say you ripped off 10 novels in the next 15 years. Yeah. Right? Let's just say that happened. I would be interested to see how that archetype of father and that character of your father might get expressed in different ways that yeah. might, might not even seemingly be anything like your dad, but then when you like, someone else looks at it or you look at it from a sconce and you're like, Oh, it's kind of right. My dad there or yeah. a version of him. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's this, I, I had an idea several years ago. I don't think it's that unique, but one part in, in one sense, we will never ever know who our parents fully are. It's impossible. They have, they have an insane history too detailed to even begin to scratch the surface by the time they get to us. Right. And then, and then there's a new history that's being written when, when their children are born. And then we have a limited time before they're gone. And, and getting to share some of that with you and trying to uncover the story of your mom, your birth mom, you know, there's this, it, it really is unraveling a mystery, a huge mystery. And I, 
and as a parent, I don't think it's totally appropriate to, I don't know. That's not, I don't want to say that actually. There's just not enough time in the world to like share everything about myself to my kids to like fill them in. And, and also there's an, in, like, if there's an inability, there's no way I can, they, they can't go back. There's not a time machine, but I, I think for me, it allows me to set up a new goal as a, as a human being and as a dad. And that is what can I share? And I think this is what Tina and St. John are trying to connect or St. John, uh, <laughs> are trying to connect is, is what from my past would be beneficial for my children in some way so that they can live a fully un, a, a shameless life. They can be congruent with who they are. They can be integrated. And, and what, what, what might they need to know from my past in order to do that? Right. And what door can I open for that. them in my own heart that would just allow them to see um, me honestly? And I want them to do that. I want them to to see me and and to take whatever they need to from that. Well, I think that the answer to that is one answer to that is to keep growing and keep yeah. taking chances and keep exposing new parts of yourself. You know, having nothing to do with them. they're going to see it. They're going to see it to some extent. Mm-hmm. But like, what what how what changes? What change? How does Luca's relationship with you change when he hears that you published your uh, novel? Yeah, you know. Yeah. What? Well, how does how does Emma's relationship with you change when when you have when you can sing her a song on guitar? Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like they change when you change. Yeah. And then I understand what you're saying. You can also share different things and like communicate it. They can get downloads. They can see pictures, right? When you die, they're going to probably learn a bunch about you from inheriting your shit. <laughs> you know, there's natural kind of stages that happen. But I think one of the best ways for us all to <clears throat> show other people ourselves is to be ourselves in ways that we've been yeah. too afraid or lazy or unfortunate or not just putting effort in to do and, and become, you know, I know in becoming an artist, my dad, for example, is just like, he had this great moment with another father figure of mine and they were, they were standing there and, and I had delivered a piece of art to my father who he had hired me to paint a painting that would become one of our family wine labels. Hmm. And I, I knew I would crush that job. And I did, I did it. I did an excellent job hmm. and I hand delivered it to him. And just by chance, another father figure was at the house, uh, at my dad's house when I did. And I was standing a ways off while they were looking at the painting I just delivered. And my dad, who's, he's not a very like complimentative person or when he does, it feels really good because he's more critical. Yeah. And he goes, he looks at my other father figure friend and he goes, who knew? (laughs) Did that feel like the biggest pat on the back? It was amazing. You know, two little words and a shrug. (laughs) Nice, man. Nice. Hey, do me a big favor real quick. You got a show coming up. Where's the show at? When is it? Uh, It's on March 23rd. March 23rd. Chico. Uh, In Chico, California. It's Yeah. Cool. It's just like... 
Don't hide don't, that light, little light of yours under the under the basket, man. Let that light shine. That's yeah, straight. That was straight deal, Bible, man. by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a big deal for me. I, I'm yeah. working really hard on it. And these images, I'm creating about 17 new paintings, mm. and then they're going to be. I'm kind of setting it up like it's going to be a book, so that you're going to walk. You could walk around this the show, and it would be in chronological order. It would. It wouldn't tell a story, but it would invite you to go on an adventure because mm. you would see different things in in all the pieces. Each person would, but the. It's going to be like little chapters you know i've done little mini series within this greater series the show is basically called labyrinths mm. um and it's just this journey that i that that i i um am expressing you know yeah. through this jungly desert-like environment and as it's gone on that those 20 25 20 to 25 those images which i'm working on and finishing in over the next three weeks I was just like, dude, these are starting to be what I want to do. Like, I would, I would finally actually hang some of these on my wall. I don't have any water on my wall. I've never hung up my own stuff, really. You know, and I'm not. And now I'm like, oh, so my soul is finally, you know, to a greater extent, going to be expressed. And and um, got a meeting with the people right after this about the you know marketing of it. And I'm just like, I'm kind of putting my heart out on this one. I really want people nice. to show up. I yeah. really want it to be a good time. I think David's going to come down from Portland because he's going to make it kind of a fit his schedule. One of my best friends. And yeah, so thanks for asking. I, I'm putting 10 hours a day into it. You know, I pause for this podcast on Wednesday mornings and yeah. I pause to go tear, tear the, tear the house down on the weekends. Once, you know, at least once, hopefully, you know, to party and just blow steam off. But other than that, my head's in it. Yeah. Some part of this though, every day, all day. Man, I'm, I, I want to say congrats already on that. And that I know it's a big deal to have this opportunity to have this show. And, and I said to you, to, I said this to you yesterday on the phone and I want to say it here that, that you have a very impressive ability to set very high goals for yourself and then put the actual work in. And, and I'm saying it out that loud because that's for me too, man. That's like, I'm watching that and going, I need to turn up the, the, the intensity. And Brother, I don't, I don't have a family. I don't have a girlfriend. Hey, I don't I, have, I, I don't yeah. have any excuses. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any that, reason. Get your ass to work, man. You I, don't, show man. To do. <laughs> I don't have any reasons yeah. not to. There's nothing. There's nothing that makes it difficult other than the goal that I set. That's the only thing that makes it difficult. That's not true. I, I need to take care of my body. If I fuck my body up, then I'll, I'll be committed, you know, but yeah. 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 Hey, That's yeah. why that crushing conversation was hard. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't think people can do this. I don't have all the things that hold everyone else back. But not everyone has a family and all that stuff. And even those of us who do like, it's not to say we don't want to do the, you know, personal things we do. And, and it's not that, like for me, a 15 minute writing session or a 30 minute writing session is the same as a 10, 10 hour session for you. Right. So like, it's not, that's a good call. Okay. I'm not saying I need to go do 10 cool. hours. I'm saying cool. I need to be consistent. And, and any one of us who have higher loftier goals for ourselves need to know that, that if we really are serious about it, we're going to fucking figure out how to fit it in. Man, right sized is a, is a, yeah. is a phrase you and I have been saying lately. And, I've been starting to think about like what you said, you just said it better than I've been thinking about it. 15 minutes a day can be like a 10 hour success. 
in my, you know, and it's just like, oh, that's a good call because that's that's the size of the thing that it needs to, it, it just needs to live in your yeah. life. Yeah. And the difference between 15 minutes and no minutes. Yeah. It's is, huge. Is, <laughs> it's infinite. I mean, it's right? like a dream coming true at some point in time and a dream yeah. not coming true. Yeah. It's, it's everything. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, yeah. I mean, that's you threw the, I think you threw the gauntlet at me when you said, uh, you know, how would your, how would your kids feel when you publish your novel or how would your kids feel when, when you, I mean, that, there i'm going to return to this conversation because that there is like your kids you have you change by you changing and and that's fucking um motivating man that's really motivating well if you we all as parents we all want the best for our kids how do you do that it's not by telling them to do better it's not <laughs> it's by going here's how you do it and then doing it and doing it right in front of them that's do right. you if you had to just i'm not i'm putting you on the spot in this yeah. but if if you like take a take a whip swing at it. If you were to set a goal, a time goal to be done with a, a novel by a certain date that's realistic and fits your life, what would that be? I don't know. I don't think I want to answer that, and and I and I don't want to answer that right now because I just got through about four months, yeah, of working on a big goal, and I've passed it, and yeah. I and I, you know, I I entered into a a. a getting a, a new, it, you know, there's a new business. You're in a I'm new building. arena. Yeah, yeah you're brand in a new, new arena. And, and, um, and I'm really proud of myself. And I just said yes to a, an organization that um, is um, as good as it gets in this field. And, and I don't want to share too much about that, but, but it was very fucking hard to do this. And my family was there the whole time watching me do it. And there, yeah. and last night we went out to dinner for my birthday and, and we had a lot of celebration around that goal in particular. And, and so I, I sat down writing I, intentionally to get through this goal. And, and I'm got, I've got a few more weeks of like kind of settling into what my life's going to look yeah. like. Yeah. And so then coming back to writing, it's like, I, I, I just knew it was like, Hey, it's time to hang this up for a little bit. And then I will come back to it. Um, oh, you did, you undoubtedly did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll, I'll uh, come back to that answer. I'll come back to that answer in some time. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, dude, this was a great episode. Enjoy it. This is super, I don't even want to call it strange because I don't know if strange is, is anywhere close enough to, to get to describe how unique this was. <laughs> I thought it went as well as it could have. Honestly, yeah. I, I, that, that thing slipped out of my mouth that right when we started and I was like, that's not what I meant to say. It came off totally wrong and I was a little concerned at that time. And then from that moment on, it was like, yeah. I don't know if it could have gone better, honestly. Yeah. It's it. I mean, it's an interesting thing because how often have we watched a movie or a play or whatever and thought, man, I want to get to know that character more, but you can't because the, the actor or actress who does that character is like wants to, <laughs> to talk about it from the third person, but it's like, man, I actually could kind of handle more uh, interviews with the characters. Well, I was thinking that would be a cool podcast idea where you just, yeah hire actors who have played characters and they always and only come on as the character. You know, that would be a very cool podcast. And then you could still like try to get more and more famous people. A lot of, fa a lot of like people in, in uh, roles don't like to reprise their role, but when you have someone who has a one man show, you know, that they play over and over, that's different. I mean, can you imagine having Daniel Plainview from there will be blood <laughs> on the show? <laughs> He'd well, probably that's, murder what, us with his that's words, what I was saying about, about Loki, man. Loki coming on as the fucking <laughs> devil. Dude.
But anyways, yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. That was special. Yeah, it was special. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks for setting this up. Of course, brother. All right, man. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.